This is the lunchtime catch-up. We have been informed by the media that James Hurd has publicly not stated that he regrets his actions. And therefore, as Essendon fans, we will not begin this podcast until he has stated he has regretted his actions. I certainly regret what's, what's happened in 2012. Um, some certain aspects of what's happened in 2012, yeah. yeah. I think the whole club does. Wow, that was fast. Uh, but one thing I know you haven't done, because the media constantly tells me, is apologise to all the supporters, the members, and the Essendon family. What do you say to that? First, I just want to say to every Essendon supporter and every Essendon member and people, the Essendon family, that I am so sorry for what happened at our club in 2012. Thanks, James. I think we can go on with the podcast now. So let's... In this position. I am deeply sorry for what happened at our football club in 2012. Whoa, James, uh, there's no need to apologise again, mate. Um, clearly you've shown that you've apologised and you've shown regret. Um, surely any normal person who heard that would move on and wish you well. And I am so sorry for anything that's happened that's been done wrong to our players or done wrong to our football club. I and we would never do anything intentionally to harm this football club. Um, I think this is getting a little awkward, Scotty. All right, let's start the podcast. Cue the music. Welcome to another lunchtime catch-up, uh, where two guys that have known each other for the for the last 34 years get together like they've been doing at lunch every working day for the last two years to discuss everything from AFL, movies, NBA, politics, who knows. On today's podcast, we're going to go over the Saints game, um, the ins and outs for the Dons for this weekend, um, the North Melbourne game coming up. And we've got a special guest on our uh, on our podcast today, Mr. Rick Edwards, um, author of the book We Are Essendon. Thanks very much for joining us, Rick. Yeah, thanks, uh, Grant and Scott. It's really um, good to be here. Um, the podcast is going really well, so it's great to, to get on early while uh, it's still going well, going really well. <laughs> number one guest, so we, we apologise. This is episode number three, if it's not awfully professional, but, uh, <laughs> but we should have some fun. You can still have the title as the first official guest on the show. There you go. Yeah, There'll yeah. be a trophy or something we'll get you for the first <laughs> official guest on the show. <laughs> So, all right, so the, the, the Saints review, what do we think? Well, um, how can you not be impressed? Uh, a 10-goal win, and really no one was tipping us before the game, so we came out like we should have, really on fire. First quarter, we were, we were the hunters, which is what I want to see. Um, Our first quarters have been brilliant. Yeah. Our first quarters have been really, really good um, over the, for the season. Um, again, and it's, it's, I think it shocks the opposition and sets us up to for the for the remainder of the game it really it, it works the i think the, the the midfield has has driven it in the first quarter and the forwards 
get into the game quickly. They feel the ball, and it just sets up the remainder of the game. That was I was very impressed for a side that was that was on in form and on top of the ground, so to speak. For us to come in and dominate a side like that is very encouraging. Yeah, like um, I don't know what your thoughts were, Rick, but how do how do you feel? Yeah, I think um, what we've what we've got now is a, a real style. Um, so it's become um, a, a pretty obvious sort of style, and, and that's been acknowledged now in three or four games. Uh, I think it was Chris Scott who was talking about it yesterday, and he, he said that we played a really fast game, and um, it's very hard for teams to to tackle us and to to put pressure uh, acts in place. Yeah, I think Alex, we, so, so, Alan Richardson said the yeah, same thing, didn't so, he? So I think that's so that sort was, of, it was sort interesting of, hearing Alan Richardson. Yeah, and he looked quite serious when he said Essendon's a serious yeah. side to deal with yeah. and they found it just too hard to stop. That's right. It's a real brand that, that we've got now, that, that sort of speed um, game, uh, and it works, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think the, the last few years that we've picked up those, those mids, <coughs> excuse me, um, those mids that we were looking for back from, say, five years ago when we weren't a fast side, um, when we went out and specifically to get um, speed, it's now starting to really show um, show the benefits of getting those young, quick guys into the side. Yeah, you remember Dodoro probably three, four years ago saying we need to inject pace and we're going to look at the draft to look at pace. And now we're probably the quickest side in the AFL, so you have to give some credit to Dodoro. He's, he's, he's really worked out the side, really uh, it's become a real weapon in the AFL. Um, yeah, and it certainly helps playing on, on Etihad, uh, playing the, most of our games there. It's a really fast yeah. track, isn't it? And, and yeah. if, you, if you move the ball quickly, you can really score quickly. Yep. For skillful teams. I mean, we, it's, it, the roof's closed or there's no, yeah. there's no rain. The, oh. the likes of Orazio, Waller, those guys have got nice clean ground with no real water on it yeah. <laughs> to actually to, to showcase the talents. And I think the other thing I, wanted to, I was thinking about recently is our hands with the handball. Around in and out of the packs, we're getting the ball from the ground in the packs out of the packs and into something resembling space really well. Yeah, I think you're right. We've sort of got that good balance, haven't we? People don't probably give our uh, in and unders the the credit they they do, but we've got some really good extractors, haven't we? I mean, Job is back to his best sort of in and under form, and and Myers is just starting to, Myers to, to rediscover well, that's, his form. That's the form, key, isn't it? Yeah. The, the yeah. two big six foot three guys coming back from the suspension are now finding their feet and that's really transformed the side for me like Myers yeah. improvement Watson's improvement probably even a little bit of Heppel sometimes yeah. in the hard ball get yeah. it's it's just given those big bodies which created the run on the outside Myers is um, extraordinary he's 191 centimetres but he's the biggest 191 centimetre guy I've ever yeah. seen he seems more like you know 194 195 he's a seriously big man yeah. Yeah. and he looks fit as fit as I've ever seen him too like he looks lean and, and real strong and I think he's yeah. I wonder if the coaches has actually said it, but he, he's trying to really impose himself on packs. I've seen him yeah. burst into packs, trying to burst out of packs. You're and then right. he's got that lethal left foot. You're right. He's imposing himself. You're right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love how the players got around him in that last goal. Oh, I think <laughs> for me, as a, I'm a big David Myers fan, and to see that kind of 55-metre kick that only goes 30 metres off the ground... Um, and just, just go, you forget, like, that was his real yeah, weapon. Yeah. Um, and when you start seeing that, if that comes back, then mm. look out. I mean, not many teams have got midfielders that can kick goals from 55, have they? Really? No, no, absolutely no, not. Yeah. Off three steps. Off three steps. <laughs> Off three steps. Yeah. Yeah. But let, let's talk about a guy that we rarely talk about, and that's Gleeson. Mm. 
Um, how Harvey impressive! That that's for me is the best game he's played in AFL. Yeah, and I, the most mature. I think the thing was all of us have backed him right from the first yeah, game, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, not so much every other fan. <laughs> no, 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 not really. That's not true. Certainly, I had some doubts some earlier this year. I mean, he got sent back to the VFL, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Scotty, the first time I saw Marty Gleeson and, and Scotty sort of mentioned, he goes, "the the club likes him a lot. They've got a touch of the Corey Enrights about him. The kind of the kind of solid bloke down the back that makes good decisions. But obviously, the body's nothing like the man. But um, Marty's uh, the overhead marking. The he's yeah, a likely you guys? Frank, it's, yeah, hugely. Yeah, it has. It's it's come on a little bit late yeah, in his yeah. career, and yeah. and it wasn't. I didn't see it at the start of his career, but just probably even the last month, yeah. he's taken some really good overhead one grab marks. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, look, he took one a great one in front of Rewald. Yeah, that's right. That's in front of Rewald. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I'm wrapped for him. Look, Hurley next to him, obviously is. Is he's all Australian already, probably? So he, he's come yeah, back better than be, yeah, better than I could have expected. Like seriously, he's is he in better form than when, when I reckon? I think so. Yeah. I reckon I he's so. grown. Yeah. Like he's, he's he's matured as a player, and he's a better player now than he was. Yeah, yeah. I think I think what's happened is he's become much more of a leader. Yeah. Um. So even when he's all Australian year, he was like he's still his own man in some ways. <laughs> but this year, it just he seems so mature. Yeah. Looks, you can see him instructing the whole defense, and 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 that whole clip of him with Gleeson, even after yeah, the Sydney yeah. game, with his arm around him, it was like a different side yeah. to to Hurley, where that, he was yeah. taking care of the guys around him. That's a really good call, actually. Yep. Yeah, I think he's he's definitely matured, and I think he's really confident in his own skills now. I think he's he knows what he can do. He does it on a regular basis, so I think he's. He's trying to lead from the front, especially yeah. with those younger kids. Well, not that he he's is. not young, but yeah, maybe one day Alex Rance might be good enough um, to you know carry <laughs> yeah. his bags. Yeah, but maybe, maybe. One day. if he just maybe. keeps working at his game. Yeah. yeah, he should. He should be good. Maybe he needs to take a couple of years off. <laughs> might do it good for him. <laughs> needs a beard. Yeah, he needs a he yeah. needs a beard. Go the the real big Wolfman beard. So um, what is what is Joe Danaher's ceiling? Because it's pretty scary for me. What is he? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah, Twenty three. Yeah, yeah. And a guy that heart tall, two hundred and one, is he? One centimeter. Two hundred and one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so his the... prime years really should be the twenty-five to twenty-nine kind of. Uh, I don't know what he's going to be like then. So yeah, no, you're right. It's scary yeah. now. Yeah, you're right. He'll, he'll probably hit his straps one year when he's twenty-five, twenty-six or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's pretty scary because I yeah. thought with the, the the time off that they've had and the fact that we haven't had our good players yeah. in inverted commas in the in the side, I thought we'd wasted a couple of years of potentially the best forward in the comp. And I wondered what he would do when he came back, but all of a sudden he's. He's he always elevated well in packs and 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 was able to take the marks, but he he's stronger, he's yeah. older, and he's really imposing himself. Well, I think people um, underrate how good he was last year. I mean, he kicked thirty four goals, and we didn't have the midfield we we had this time. Yeah. He, he didn't get the type of service the that, supply, that he's getting yeah. now. So yeah. I actually think last year was was a really really good year, but he's definitely come on a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah. And with the smile, the man smiles more than I've seen any AFL footballer. <laughs> he's very cash, very okay with the way things are going, and yeah. I think I I, I, I really I find that. What about, encouraging. The, yeah. what about the criticism though of, of, of him hugging guys and, and, and enjoying himself? What do we think of that? I, I I love it. I love watching him play. I love, like, I don't want robots. Yeah. I want people to show their emotion. Yeah. If they love the game of football, show it. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I loved it. He, he's the kind of natured guy that doesn't know there's 50,000 yeah. people watching him. He'd be just as happy with a whole lot of car horns going off after he kicked a goal. <laughs> um, I think you're right. It's his nature. And it's a, really, um, it's a real asset because I think when the game gets tight, potentially he's going to be a guy that um, has got it in his makeup quite to, cool. to stand yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yep. Especially everything they've been through. If you can see the Essendon footballers smiling and playing the game and, and having a good time doing it, then that's exactly what I want to see. I mean, you, you got your serious guys like Goddard and those guys, and they're, and they're great. But He's serious, is he? Yeah, just a smidge. Um, <laughs> Joey, I want to see if they're smiling, that's great. If they're enjoying their football, even better. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm very happy to see him smiling. One thing I like that we're doing, which I give credit to Wusher, is in the last quarters, he's recognising the older kind of midfield and he's putting Waller and Fantasia in a, like a rotation through the midfield to make sure the run is consistent. And, and it's working really well. It means that the last quarter we're still running quite strong. Um, I really like that setup, how he's going along with that. Yeah, it is good. I mean, he's got some criticism for, for not running those guys through there. They have been running through there a lot. Actually, I think even in the first game against Hawthorne, I remember Fantasia in the, in the yeah. middle yeah, yeah, so do a, I. a little bit. So uh, I think that, that's been happening. The, the one thing which I thought was really good was, did you guys get the jitters a little bit? I was a bit nervous. Um, in oh, the last yes, I really did. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, it was a bit of a worry for a little while. I think they got, what, within 30-something points? Yeah. They and that, and that was a bit of a test, given what we've been through in the last month, as to see what they would do. And, and they steadied and then pulled away. I thought that was really significant. That's what, key. Yeah. What they did was, was deliberately change the tempo of the game once they got their third goal. And that's, that's you know, when they're learning, when they're doing that. They go, they recognise, okay, it's a little bit of hectic football from the Saints. They grab the ball and they just play a little bit of tempo football, kick it around, and then we got the ascendancy back. And then we put on four goals and, and sort of took them to the cleaners. And we noticed that Carlisle was taking all of those in, in, intercept marks and we were bombing it deep. And that's great. When you've got Stewart and you've got Danaher and those guys, they're hugely dangerous. Yeah. But we, we started to lower our eyes a little bit and put it, didn't put it so much on top of Carlisle's head. I think, I think you both make a really good point. So what we've been able to do is make adjustments during, during a game. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really good uh, string to have in, uh, on our bow. Do you reckon it comes from the runners? Or do you reckon it's the senior guys being able to get messages to the right people on the ground? Is that something that comes yeah. from the coach's box? Yeah, I think, I think um, they've, they've had a lot of white, whiteboard time uh, lately, yeah, I understand. So, yeah. so I, think, <laughs> I think some of the things that they've been trying to teach them are, are probably starting to get through. Yeah, yep. And look, you have to give credit to Justin Crow as well. Um, to have, what, one or two injuries on the whole list. And we've definitely had the most awkward beginning... <laughs> for any performance manager. So to, to sort of deal with, with with the returning guys and you got young guys coming in. Yeah, I, I really thought, you know, some of those returning players would have done hamstrings and, and that sort of stuff yeah, by now. Soft like, tissue, I thought yeah. sort of half of them would have to be to be honest and, and that just hasn't happened, has it? No, he's he he must give him a huge credit. Um, to for us to be because we're looking stronger and stronger now. It's not like as a year goes on year goes on we're looking weaker. We're actually Week by week, we look stronger and stronger. A little bit what they said at the start of the year, to be patient and let us 
yeah. let us get stronger in the second half of the year and yeah. and it's actually happening but well, we are building i think what will be interesting that the arrested watson obviously this week is that something we're going to see more of in the last six rounds especially when we we seem to, if we've got a final spot sign up do you think they might, they might rest a couple of other guys um before we get to the finals well the hard part is you're not going to get it sewn up until yeah. the last two weeks so but they look they they noted that there's definitely going to be more guys like joe so i would say mcgrath yeah i would say those kind of guys maybe a hip you know yeah I and mean, he's carrying a big workload isn't he yeah year. so the guys who are carrying a big workload because the depth is insane it is, and it is. and that probably goes into what we're going to speak about next, and it was the VFL result, which was um, we won by eighty one points, and you couldn't have had more positives <laughs> in one game. Amazing, Jaden Laverde just coming out and kicking six. Um, Langford, what kicked two, got thirty, kick four, kick four. Thanks for coming, got and kicked thirty <laughs> and got thirty. Um, that was probably the best weekend I've had in a good long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, the whole weekend was fantastic. But to see, look, I actually really liked Aaron Francis as well. Uh, and I know he's not getting as much mention, but his third quarter, go and watch it on the TV again if you taped it, because he must have taken about six or seven marks and had about 10 or 12 possessions. And he totally controlled that whole quarter from the back line, a bit like Hurley. And that gave me a little bit of a sign. One, it was the second half of the game, which was pleasing in itself because yeah. he's not known in the second half to, yeah. to have, be a big impact player. That's true. So yeah. it tells me he's running a little bit better. But I saw some really good signs yeah. from him. Isn't it good, Scott, that they're settling him down in, in the back line? Yeah, yeah. What, what I'm liking is... I've probably changed my mind where at the start of the year I wanted all the kids to get some more experience. So, But what they're doing now with Langford, with Francis, and probably even Laverde is putting him in their actual positions that they want him to be in the seniors in three, four years' time yeah. and giving him every opportunity and developing him. So Francis is the key centre-half back the Hurley role. And that's exactly what you want. You want him that responsibility. You want him to learn it. So I actually don't mind now him just continually getting developed, playing the whole game in that commanding kind of halfback role. Instead of coming into the seniors, um, probably being a little bit too fast-paced for him as yet, um, getting tired quicker, and but playing in like a back flank, not playing in his, not playing in the role that they really want him to play. He might go forward. So at the moment, we're doing a little bit of a, what Geelong used to do, actually, mm. where they actually develop for two or three years their kids in their key positions. And, it, and, and that's how Bomber used to like doing it and uh, had huge yeah. dividends as well. It really is a model that's worked, hasn't it? You mentioned Geelong. It's also worked at Hawthorne where they play guys in the Box Hill Hawks for, for a couple of seasons and, and then um, put them on the, on the main stage. You know? But, yeah, so the whole... Yeah, like I said, the whole weekend was positive. So yeah. great. Uh, I, I'm I'm really liking um, Dylan Clark coming through. I think Ridley's got really good composure. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other guys who I really Begley. like. Begley, Begley, my man, Begley. Well, Begley's the interesting one this week, and we'll probably go into that as well because we we've been noted today that uh, Green is out for two weeks. Um, so that opens up the conversation about who may replace him. Look, my feeling is Joe might come in for Bird still. Um, it's a bit harsh on Bird, but that's reality is he came in for a guy that got rested. So that's just professional football in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, but who, who takes in green? Uh, you've got Begley, who's probably not as dynamic as Laverde, 
but fit. And then you got Laverde, who's dynamic, but from from what Corrigan said after the game, he still needs to work on his fitness to play four quarters. So it's a very hard decision. Yeah, I think it is a tough decision. I think my um, opinion would be that they might go like for like. So so Begley um, for, for Green, a small for, for a small. It, it seems like they've been sort of wanting to unveil Begley for a little while, hasn't yeah. it? You know? And it, and it, look, he does have great pressure. So he, he's got mm. that mm. attribute that they would want, that they're real hard tackling, the chasing. So Begley, I've got this funny feeling, you're right. I think they're going to put him in and just let Laverde just play that one or two more games. And then sort of yeah. get him really firing, and if yeah. we get closer to finals, if we get fortunate enough to make it, yeah, I, I want Begley in the side. <laughs> I want Begley in the side. He's an Eastern Suburbs boy. He's mad at it. And I've heard you talking about before. On I podcast. have. I love the man. Yeah. I love the man. He was a former chunky uh, Eastern Suburbs footballer who they've stripped down into a machine. And I just think he's a really good story. And with the likes of Orazio and. Uh, a guy that is going to be a dead set steal for the club. Yeah. I reckon he's got all the attributes to be a dead set steal if he can take the kind of step up that Orazio's done and, and shown the kind of talent that Orazio's got. He could be anything. So I definitely want to see him in the side. What he does have is actually similar to Green where he's not a high possession count getter, but he's a real opportunist. Yeah. So he, he kicks four goals, but you'll see he has 11 possessions. Yeah. So he doesn't need much to actually impact the game. No, he doesn't, and he'll be really good because they they used they kick a lot of high balls to green, don't they? Um, bizarrely, yeah, I don't um, get so, that. I so don't get that. That should suit Begley. He's a little bit better in the air. Yeah, I don't get that. I, that's one thing I would love to ask him. Why he's the shortest player on the on the ground, and they always kick it in the air to the man. Yeah. Well, it's the old. Um, who was the old guy? The um, uh, Alvin uh, David. Alvin David. That's it. Alvin David. Oh, that used to drive every Essendon fan oh, crazy. Man. I don't they get always that. left him one on one, but. He was he was meant to be the one on one for the kick over the top so he could run onto it, not <laughs> not for the uh, the one on one marking competition. So, yeah. but oh well. Yeah, the thing about Laverde, I think he um, and I'm excited by him. Obviously, he's got a lot of talent. I think he and Stewart are sort of vying for the, the same position. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I had a look at their stats. Um, so Stewart's got 30 goals from 27 games, whereas Laverde's only got 13 goals from 18 games. So Stewart's return is actually 1.1 goals a game compared to Laverde, who's 0.7. So it's interesting that Stewart's probably tracking just a little bit better. Can I just take over this podcast and just note that Rick Edwards just showed us both up? (laughs) (laughs) And we're delighted and offended at the same time. (laughs) Thank you, Rick, for showing some resemblance of professionalism by bringing actual statistics. (laughs) No, but you're, you're exactly right. Uh, yeah, so so they sort of play a similar role, don't they? And Stuart, um, he kicked um, badly, didn't he, on the weekend? But he's still got sort of four scoring shots, and, and that, that really shows well, something, doesn't it? his yeah. kicking action is actually very, very good. So it's one of those games you're not really overly concerned because I've, I've seen him at training, and he just constantly nails them from 50. So And his kicking action is really solid. So to me, you have those games. That's this footy. I'm not really concerned about it at all. But no, he's, he's trans... His 
transition now into moving up the field yeah, and, and giving that chop out sort of mark is is yeah. what's made him a much bigger impact to the side. You're, you're right. He's a really good lead up forward, isn't he? But mm. but but he is getting in the right spots and um, sooner enough, he'll, he'll, sooner or later, he will fix that, that kicking problem, I reckon. Yeah, I think the club will be very surprised. Well, not surprised, but very pleased. I mean, like you said, I think he's vying for Jaden's spot and... He's been brilliant for us up until this point. And I think they're looking at it going, well, we weren't expecting that. No. He was going to be a handy backup for yeah, us if, yeah. if Laverde was out. But yeah. he's now vying for the position. Laverde's going to have to do more. I think the point you made before, Grant, or maybe it was you, Scott, that, that we do have depth all, all of a sudden. Yeah. I had a bit of a look at our list, and there's probably 12 players, I think, that, that could sort of step up if, if need be, you know, and that's that's a really good, strong position to be in. I, I mean, someone like my other guy that I love a lot in, in um, Hocking, Man might not get another game. No, he's actually not no. in my twelve. I know. <laughs> so, no, I mean Jackson Merritt probably won't get a game. You're yeah, watching Stat and have 38 yeah, possessions, yeah, two yeah, goals, right. and you go, yeah. and you actually know he's not going to play no, next week. No, but it's interesting. He's a legend of the club. Take out. Yeah, I mean that's right. In terms of best 22, I was trying to work out how far off we are, and. I, I'm interested in what you guys think. I reckon we're only two players off our best 22, and they would be Watson and Ambrose. I agree. Yeah. Completely agree. Ambrose is an interesting one. I, I, a few on Twitter mentioned to me that they don't think he's the best 22, and I would have thought that... I completely the, disagree. I would have thought that the first three years. I, I, I had a bit of concern, and I thought, geez, probably close to getting delisted. This year, I am in total shock. Um, Mark Harvey did a little bit of a master strike here with putting him into the back line. And one thing that Essendon had was never n- never having a defender that could run with uh, a rewalt. Those really fit guys that run all day. We just never had... They always burned us. Yeah. And and for him, I mean, he beat both rewalts. The last time he played both Richmond and St Kilda... He's killed both rewalts. You're right. So, yeah, he's not very um, popular in the rewalt. No, yeah, he's not, no, <laughs> no Christmas cards for no, him. No, no, they don't like him. No. And that, that's his role. He's a stopper in some sense. He's, he's not going to get the yeah. ball a lot. That, but now, because you've got Hurley and Kelly and all those guys, yeah. it's not needed. No, no. But if he can, if he can reduce um, those, the main opposition forward that's really dynamic... Yeah. I mean, even I don't know if he's tall enough for Franklin. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You, you blokes are good judges. This is the most uh, well-informed Essendon podcast, I think. Uh, <laughs> the, the question though would be if they bring Ambrose in, who does um, who does who, who makes way for him? Yeah. Uh, look, you ha- you can only go by historic history, and Hartley came in for Ambrose. Um, now, has Hartley played poor? No, he hasn't. So. It's very awkward saying it because he's actually a genuine good defender. I think still Ambrose is tougher in the contest when the ball hits the ground. And I think that's the what differentiates the two players. I think you're right. We still remember the Brad Hill burying uh, incident, the MCG against yeah. the Hawthorne. And that, really, that yeah, was yeah. really good. Yeah. So it took an excavator to get Hill out. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, Ambrose, Ambrose is strength. I think he's the strongest player at the club. He, and the fittest. And one of the fittest. I mean, I think yeah. he, he runs a real close second to Stanton or even beat no, him this year. Now. He's first now. Years, yeah. yeah, last two years he's been first in the, in the, the, the two-mile um, two or whatever yeah. it is. So someone like a guy like that you want on the side. And like Scotty was saying, when we first looked at him, I didn't like his hands. Uh, I didn't think he was going to be a forward. No, and as, a, as a lead-up forward, he, he just wasn't there. He's going to make <laughs> a didn't... brilliant defender, <laughs> as but he's always As a puncher, 
and staying with your man, he's elite. Like, he really is elite. I, I think that's what you need to in, in the big games, in the finals games. You need a, a, a backman that can shut down the opposition yeah. forward, whether it's yeah. Josh Kennedy or, or Rewalt or, or Jeremy Cameron. Just, well, the, just and and he's done well on a few of those guys. I mean, he's done well on Charlie Dixon. He's done well on um, um, both Rewalts. He's done well on those bigger mobile key forwards. And, yeah, I want him straight back in. <laughs> Unfortunately, Mr. Hartley. Unfortunately, Mr. Stanton. Fortunately, Mr. Hocking. <laughs> Guys, we love you to death, but he has yeah. to come back in. And, and look, just on a side note, Langford is terribly unlucky. I really feel for the kid. Um, he did very little wrong. <laughs> he kept on getting best on ground in the VFL. He got elevated and then straight back in. Um, I hope it's for development, what, what I discussed before, and I'm, I'm, then that's okay. But he, um, he's a, he's a, I think he's going to be a... A much better prospect in the second half of his career. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, he's going to develop his game uh, at, at VFL level, I think, and and rack up 30 possessions and be that inside um, mid who goes forward and kicks goals. So I think it'll be um, good for his career to, to spend this little time in, in the VFL. So, so let's go to our next little agenda. So we are Essendon. Now I know you've done the um, the John Farnham tour. <laughs> the, nev- the never-ending tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, you I, I get you're probably um, a little bit over-talking <laughs> about it, but um, it was actually a really special book for me. Obviously, um, one of the uh, the chapters in, in the book, and uh, we'll talk to you about the uh, the fan march. Um, so I was actually when you came up to me. I remember when you came up to me. I, I was I was I was actually really happy, and I just loved the idea. And I think I was the first person you probably came up to, but um... yeah, you were actually. Um, you were the first person I pro- approached, and I-, I thought to myself, if Scott says says yes to this, then um, I'll go ahead with it. But if he says no, then there'll be no book. So you you were really really important in the whole uh, scheme of things. Yeah, well, that's a bit humbling, but <laughs> um, but look, the idea of the book was just so good and so needed. Uh, I I just felt. With you, that fans weren't being represented in this saga. Um, it was way too much of headlines, chaos, and and it was just getting tiring that sixty thousand members constantly were getting ignored. Yeah. And to me, even getting ignored with the decision to take us out of the finals and other decisions, we just weren't represented in any of these decisions or thought of. And I think we got a little bit over it. And it was, look, it was hard. I, I really had compassion with some of the people who uh, are not close to the club anymore. Um, it's, I, 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 I totally get it, though. Um, what, what, I mean, for those that, that haven't read, read the book, um, we, we do go into your story a bit. I mean, what sort of toll did it take on you? It was, it was a fairly big toll, wasn't it? It took a... Yeah, it, it's, it took a lot of your time and it energy, took just, it? Yeah. I think it was the time and energy. Yeah. Um, so when it really first started, I mean, I was obviously a passionate fan, but, and I was a passionate herd fan and I, I, I make no apology about that. So, but I was funny enough, a passionate David Evans fan. So it wasn't just herd at the initial start. It was, it was a club that I thought was represented with two people of very high character. Um, I don't know if I would say that as much now, but I'd like to know a lot more from, from David. Um, to understand his story but it was just it was just gut-wrenching that 
there's, there's so many episodes of this and I know you documented a whole heap. It was just episode, just day after day after day, new revelation. It was good or bad too, revelation. You know, AOD's fine. Yay, we're off. And then suddenly, oh, now we're going to bring up TB4 and oh, bugger. Um, and so I obviously started a, a Facebook site and, and tried to get a little bit um, on Twitter, which was a little bit new to me. Um, and my view at the start was there was so much misinformation. Um, and, but, and there still is. <laughs> and there still is. And I'll, I'll discuss that later. We're going to discuss her, um, the Norm Smith announcement later. And I, I'm probably going to finish the podcast with a little bit of a statement from me. Um, but it was just, it was just painful. Like it was just no other way around it. And I, I found life difficult. I found work difficult. Mm. You were consumed by it 24 seven because yeah. there was no let up. You oh. turn on the TV, there's nothing to give you any relief. Um, we yeah. only had temporary little wins, but yeah. then yeah. any win we had, it felt like any, somebody would hated the idea yeah. of us having any anything joyful in our life one of and the, we would get smashed again. One of the frustrating things for me was that you 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 read, and from Scott was, and I can absolutely assure everybody that Scott was one of the most knowledgeable people on this subject that as soon as it came out. He did the actual research required. He did the, he found facts. He didn't just accept what was the talking heads were talking about on TV. The bit that got me was that, a bit like what happened on the weekend, there was um, Ty Canelli, the guy, I haven't got anything against Ty Canelli, except I was watching him on the on the footy panel, the weekend footy panel, whatever it was, and they were people, the thing that used to frustrate me is that you get up in the morning and you'd hear that blanket statement that this has happened. 34 players have taken a banned substance or something like that. And you just, when you know the facts behind it, or you know that there, it's not just as simple as making a one sentence statement like that. That's the bit that really got me frustrated. And we could, you could, you're talking to the guys at work who are trying to rev you up and you could speak for the next 20 minutes on the subject because they don't know the, the actual facts and what actually happened they're just hearing the the sound bites and the and the things that look good on the front page of the herald sun what did ty Canelli say again about hurting oh ty just said that he hadn't apologized he, he said um they were discussing the um the norm smith and whether or not he should or shouldn't do it there was the yeses there was the noes but then ty just had to make that silly statement again by saying no i don't think he should do it um and i don't think he should do it because he hasn't apologized he hasn't apologised to the club. He hasn't apologised to the AFL. Now, that is that is I don't understand after all the period of time and the beginning of this podcast, to be quite frank, how anybody could understand that he hasn't apologised profusely for at least four times. I don't know what more you want the man from blood, or it's, it's six times. I don't know if you want blood from the man, but he's he has done everything within his power to apologise for this problem. Yeah. Well, I've been really disappointed with it the last few days, the commentary around this, this decision. You know, um, it, he has served his time, and I think, we're, as far as I know, we're in a country where if you serve your time, then you know you're free to resume the life that you used to have, and, and that applies to James Heard as well. You know. Um, he's got to be let to, to, to get on with his life and um, people have just got to get over it. And as uh, in the book, David Zaharakis and Brent Stanton say, um, it's time to stop having a go at him. You know? Yeah, I 100% yeah. agree. So look, uh, just getting back to the book, uh, I'm so glad you went through with it. Uh, I think it's a really important story. Um, I know you still want to plug a few things. Are you still having a, 
Yeah, yeah. So what I'll be doing um, before the end of the season, end of the home and away season, probably at Eddie had before a game, I'll um, I'll be signing um, books. So if anyone has their book, they can bring it along and also um, have some to, to sell as well. So I'll promote the game that that'll be uh, on on Twitter. Um, so people, um, I love if, if you come along and um, and say hello. Can I ask you a left field question? Um, and it's probably about journalism because I know you're, you're a journalist yourself. Uh, when you see the Emma Quayles, the Ronald Connollys of the world leaving, um, who I regard as really, really good writers and people who actually wrote truth, like they, they spoke, they write um, really informative, knowledgeable pieces. Uh, it has a concern to me, and I'm just wondering if it has a concern to you about then what's left when the quality journalists leave and then you have the Daily Mails and all that of the world left. Oh, yes, certainly. I mean, you mentioned Rowan and, and Emma. I mean, they're the quality journalists. But, um, you know, you've you got to have faith. I mean, they, they will be replaced by good journalists. There are still some good journalists out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think, to, to be fair. Um, but but during during the saga, um, I know, what I do know is that certainly in the age, um, the, the football writers there, there, there was a lot of debate and it was quite a heated debate. So, mm. um, you know, it was a difficult subject for, for them and people might think they were anti-Essendon, but there, there were certainly was a lot of debate oh, definitely not the whole yeah. they all weren't i mean yeah, i know that for a fact as well that's, that's right yeah there was yeah. a there was a it was a little bit 50 50 just one one was the chief writer yeah and, and that's just, that's let's be blunt that's, that's uh, you know yeah and the right. editor the editor and the chief writer were the anti and yeah. i've spoken to the editor who wrote to me and he had no apologies yeah. slamming her yeah and um so yeah. what, what can you say but there's definitely other stuff um, yeah. You know, I have I talked well to Daniel Cherney, um, who's a really good writer, up and coming young writer. Yeah. Uh, Ron yeah. obviously helped me write the Heard article in 2014. Yeah. Um, Emma Quayle obviously was a quality she had her view. Um, yeah. So, I got, I was a little bit hesitant just to slam the whole paper yeah, 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 because there was good people in there. Yeah, but yeah. and then that applies to, to the Herald Sun as well. It's, it's good, exactly. Good, good yeah. Made, you know, and so. it's good from it's good to hear that there was some debate. There was a lot of there was a lot of the people saying yes, a lot of the people saying no. It wasn't just go for the biggest headline you can find. It's it, it's good to good to hear that there was a lot of debate on the subject. I mean, I I know that they're you know they're going to want to do what they're going to want to do sometimes, but it's good to hear that there's still that kind of ethical debate going on. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But you know, I, I think what you were perhaps alluding to, Scott, was. Um, uh, I wouldn't call it clickbait, but but certainly um, running stories that are going to get a lot of eyeballs on them, yeah. and, and that's that's just a principle in, in all newsrooms. I work in a newsroom, and, and and that is a principle that if a story is going to get eyeballs, um, then yeah, it, it makes it, perfect sense. And it's worth running it. Yeah. It's worth um, getting the, the most they can out of that, that particular story. You know? Yeah. All right, so we've got the clash for cancer game against North Melbourne this week. Uh, what are our thoughts, me? This is the game I feel like I know which Essendon I'll be cheering for the rest of the year. I know that sounds crazy. And you go, yes, St Kilda was a harder game. Collingwood probably was a harder game. But that's almost the point <laughs> is, is can we have a professional mindset coming to a game where overwhelming favourites, North has lost six in a row, and we need to come out and just win this well. Uh, it doesn't have to be 60 points. But I want four quarters 
of just solid football, of professionally approaching the game, being the hunters, and then I think we can win. You're big on that professionalism thing. You said it last week as well. You want to the the teams, the Geelongs, the Hawthorns, and that sort of stuff will come out and will beat North Melbourne. The, yeah. the, the the North Melbournes of their day. They they'll come out. They'll beat them by the respectable eighteen points or whatever is required. They get their they have a shower. They go home. It's it's what's expected of this club. We should come out and beat this club. And I think, unfortunately, for the poor Essendon players is that we had to beat Collingwood, and we did. We had to beat St Kilda, and it was a hard game, and we did. At what point do we go, these guys are here, and we we, we should celebrate it? But unfortunately, these poor guys go... I mean, even me, as, a, as an ardent supporter, goes, ooh, can we win it? And the pressure is there that we've got to beat North. I'd actually feel more comfortable if we played a top six team this week. I'd yeah. feel more confident going to the game. I'd feel more confident with the Bulldogs after the yeah, week after exactly. in yeah, a strange yeah. way than North yeah. Melbourne. But this is this is a big um, risk for us, this game, I think. Yeah. We can't yeah, we can't drop games. So we've got six games left, four game four wins and a strong, really strong percentage may sneak you in, but five gets you probably home. Yeah. Um, so you can't drop the games that you no, probably you meant to can't. win. I think the one thing that will work in our favour um, this Saturday is the 40,000 Essendon supporters as opposed to the 521 Kangaroo supporters. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. Where's, where's, uh, where have we got to worry about at North? What's the... Probably their forward Brown for me. Um, he's, a, he's a quality forward yeah. and, and he's well, in Last form. time, I remember that, you remember that guys, remember that elimination final where he tailed up Ariel, Ariel Steinberg because Steinberg oh, no. was only five oh, foot no. three or something? Oh no, not Ariel. You remember that? It was, yeah. it was the, the smallest uh, key position back men yeah. you've ever seen. Um, yeah. So that, that still haunts me, but um, you're right. Brown, Brown's a big danger, isn't he, really? I yeah. Mean, Thomas um, is playing in the back line now, so when he ducks and gets um, a free kick he doesn't deserve, he's not going to be able to kick it's it to not a hole. Hurt you, yeah, it's not going to hurt you on the no. scoreboard. <laughs> I think we all would like a strong Waller tackle moment. <laughs> oh, wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't that tackle. be good? Defensive tackle, good? Yeah. 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 Look, on, on paper, look, it's, I'm, I know I'm sounding confident. On paper, they're a very beatable team because they've lost so much experience and that's why they're struggling. They've, they've lost so much experience. Um, so... We should be winning this game. Um, I don't even know how to even talk tactically. I think it just came out and performed and um, they're, they're not intensity. Over, I think our speed, we talked about the speed game before. I think our speed will be very useful against them. They're, they're a pretty slow side. They've got a lot of plotters in, in the midfield. You know, DeMont, Cunnington, uh, Zeeble, guys like that. So I think we might be able to um, expose them. Cool. Well, this might be coming towards... Uh, end of another podcast I think so um, I think we've covered everything we've uh, we've spoken about the ins we've spoken about the outs we've got um, North this week we've covered that um, thank you again to Rick um, for coming on the podcast um, and I know you've uh, you've got a little something that you want to uh, that you want to say now towards the end of the podcast yeah look it's just something that I just wanted to discuss with Herd um, just give a little statement uh, so it's just something I've been thinking about since the AFL um, announced it's going to invite Heard to the, to award the North Smith Medal. Um, obviously, with the feedback and the bit of the hysteria, um, I just thought I needed to say a few things. So, let me start now. Before we go, let's just officially say goodbye to Rick um, and uh, and thanks very much for coming on the podcast, mate. Oh, thanks very much, Grant and Scott. It was um, it was a lot of fun. Rick, you're a champion. All right, here's what I have to say. 
You know, purists of the game know Heard was equal to a Glenn Archer or Paul Kelly when it came to bravery. James Heard consistently showed little regard for his welfare and would strive to do anything humanly possible to achieve a victory for the t- football team that he loved as a kid and who his grandfather played 102 games for in the 40s. His family, teammates and Essendon's legacy were dear to him. Unfortunately, James Heard's bravery on and off the field came at a cost on many fronts. No more horrific than Round 6 2002 against Fremantle at Subiaco where an errant knee from close friend Mark McVeigh made his face almost unrecognisable and resulted in having numerous metal plates placed in his face. In typical Heard fashion, he willed himself to come back to the team. Heard defied all the odds and possibly Doc Reed's medical advice to return only eight weeks later in Round 14 against the Bulldogs that Eddie had. This game holds dear to me as a fan, as I'd never been in such awe to what James Heard could accomplish in the face of adversity. Heard then looking very different, sporting a cushioned black head protector. It was early in the first quarter and the moment of truth came. A Bulldog player and Heard running towards the ball head on, and to amazing gasp over the crowd, Heard goes head first into the contest and wins the footy to give Essendon the crucial possession. It may have only seemed like a normal routine play to the common fan, but the significance of Heard's character and will to win was all in display for the rest of us Essendon fans to see. We knew his story. Heard finished the game with 25 possession and was voted best on ground. After the game, I commented, I commented to a friend, what I witnessed today was truly a living legend of the sport and Essendon Football Club. Heard was also driven to study and educate himself in business and successfully completed a Bachelor's Civil Engineering course in 1998 to later become manager of his own sports marketing and media consultancy group, Gemba. He seemed always wanting to learn and, and to educate himself better. So fast forward to February 2013, and I'm seeing my hero James Heard, David Evans, and Ian Robinson, Robson announced to the world that my football club will be investigated for questionable practices and governance at the club for happenings in 2012. The word illegal substances are mentioned on TV, and I'm lost, I'm shattered, I'm confused, and in complete shock. As I look on Heard's face, I realise me and him are strangely in the exact same process. What followed was hundreds of articles written on the drug AAD 9604, off-site injections, players' risk for future health, and then I see Dean Robinson on my TV giving a scathing report on Heard and claiming police had raided his house and that Heard was the architect and supporter of the supplements injection program. Police reported within 24 hours that Dean's Ray claim was false. But the damage was done. And this would happen over and over again, these, these kind of stories. Dean decided to do a preemptive strike on Heard to help clear his name, first knowing full well he was at fault. It was clear that the investigation moved from looking at the club as a whole to focusing on just one man's role at that time. Strangely, that role was the senior coach who did not even manage the supplements program. That, in fact, was a man in front of the Channel 7 camera with Luke Darcy caught lying about a police raid and his then-manager Paul Hamilton, who had disappeared completely. The ones at fault laid low 
and bolted. The ones trying to save the players, they stood up. Sawai was heard aggressively targeted and nominated, nominated as the overseeing architect. On the surface, it seemed the public media and representatives of the game had strangely dismissed 20 years of Heard, putting so much into the image and integrity of the game. Heard seemed to suddenly run the Eston Football Club himself and all departments within the club. James made it about himself and not Essendon, which to us fans was the complete opposite of how we see James live his life for over 20 years. In August 2013, Heard was charged by the AFL, which resulted in a 12-month suspension from the game. All these charges and details outlined from the Asada interim report were laid out in a leading newspaper for the whole world to see. The man of 20 years who I admire more than any other player was again publicly humiliated. Confidentiality is a word that got incredibly lost in this whole process. Bird, bound by that same word, was thrown to the lions without a right of reply. It is lost by so many that Heard has actually apologised for not doing more concerning, for more concerning the events of 2012. In fact, he has six separate and on six separate occasions has taken responsibility for his part. Asada investigators, in fact, praised Heard in 2013 and told the players to be guided by him, acknowledge his integrity. Heard told Asada. I have an issue with people who give people illegal products and things that would harm them. This is his quotes. My philosophy is as stated that any product that goes to a player must not harm them, must, not, must be approved by AFL and WADA, and the player has to consent to it, and the doctor's the ultimate final say. And that was expressed to Dean Robinson all the time. So what is it about James Hurt that still leaves so much anger? Somehow the Heard family had become some sort of Kardashians in Australia and were treated like Hollywood gossip pages. Hollywood gossip pages. If you put together the first three four years of the saga, you could put all of Heard's quotes about the investigation on two pages. He rarely spoke and expected officials to morally do their job well. He probably naively thought the best of everyone and expected processes to be carried out ethically. Heard never once spoke ill of someone, never abused a journalist, an Asada representative or AFL official. This is all while his wife was mistreated in papers, even worse, the kids being photographed and bullied. To this day, I cannot comprehend the amount of grace and restraint Heard showed. In 2015, Heard admitted to calling Beyond Blue after leaving Essendon and struggled with life. In early 2017, we got the sad news of Heard being rushed to hospital. The care from AFL community was slightly better at that stage, but as we know, it can be short-lived when it comes to Heard. The AFL, before dropping a big scandal, conveniently announced James Heard was due to present the Norm Smith Medal. How convenient. Timing is everything when it comes to AFL optics. From an in all initial indications, Heard seems more likely to say yes, but it's still to be confirmed. Just after the news break, we quickly got an indication of where society is at, or at least where some of society is at. It was a very sad reflection on how many Australians were so little educated on the Hearst story. It again reminds me of the dangers of poor journalism and how it can shape society. We have a good man who has completed his suspension and bravely worked through his way back to, after depression to enjoying family and life with a successful new career in chocolate. 
And damn, is that chocolate good. I highly recommend Cacao Hunters. Um, it is fantastic. It watched, in what should be a moment of celebration and a chance to re-enter the footy field, where Herd Star became a backlash of anger and a desire to not let him move on in any way. Let's face it, these three AFL execs who got fired on the weekend will enjoy a break and no one will mention them in a, in a month's time. That's how easy it is for them. They'll get another job and their life will continue. The AFL community have let Kerry and Lyon back to footy and that is what should happen. People do their time and community as a whole should always embrace forgiveness and applauding when they get back on their feet. If we can't celebrate that anymore with James Hurd, whose crime is minimal at best, then we as a society should be looking at the mirror now, not James. James Hurd retired in 2007 after playing 253 games. He as a player achieved the following. Two premierships in 1993 and 2000. A Brownlow medal in 1996. Was captain of Essendon for seven years. Premiership captain and North Smith medalist in 2000. Five-time Crichton medalist. Five-time All-Australian. Essendon team of the century half-forward. Voted number three in the all-time Essendon legends. AFL Hall of Fame inductee. Jim Stein's medalist, three-time Anzac Day medalist. This was a special player and one of the all-time greats. James will be remembered by Essendon fans as one of the most revered love players in the club's modern history, probably since Coleman and Reynolds. He was a star in every sense of the word. Exquisite, talented, brave, even to the detriment of his own health. Inspirational, fair, highly educated and articulate. I had the honour of being invited to, to see James in 2014 when he read my article in The Age. The article outlined the importance of hearing James' story and not prejudging from false, lazy headlines. In the, in the social media world, we are so quick to judge with very little substance behind our attacks. But our attacks can cause enormous pressure and grief to families, and it's time we start understanding this. Time we grow up and show a little compassion and understanding. Find out information on matters before you speak. Lift up people who seek to do good. If at times, even, at time, even if at times they make mistakes. When I met James in 2014, he was exactly how I thought it would be. Humbled, quiet and gracious. I again met, I again met him this year selling chocolate. He recognised me and to my surprise he just wanted to talk about Essendon and the draftees coming through, asking me who I like coming through. It was a great chat and I sensed the coach in him was still burning a little. He then passionately let me know how much Cacao Hunters is changing communities overseas, from once cocaine fields to cocoa. I thought to myself, even now you're looking to help others through your business. That's who James is. I, sincere, I sincerely say all the best, James, in whatever you decide to do with the Norm Smith decision. But let me make it very clear on behalf of over 60,000 fans at Essendon. Very clear. There is no one more entitled than yourself to award a highly co coveted medal to a next generation champion on grand final day. It's what the game, and more importantly, you deserve right now. Thanks for listening, and see you again soon.